Coming up on Stu Does America, communication strategist Giancarlo Sopo shares his insights into the effect Latinos are having on this election. And Dan Andros from Faithwire is here to talk about the unbearable hypocrisy of the liberal media calling out Trump over his voter fraud claims. Thanks for watching us on YouTube and subscribing to our channel. If you haven't yet, head there, search my name, Stu, and we'll be the first channel there. Don't forget to hit the little bell to give notifications when we post. And do the same for our audio podcast version of the show. If you haven't yet, uh, go to your favorite provider, uh, subscribe, leave a nice review. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And the review can be, you know, it's great, whatever. It doesn't matter what you write. Just please write something. And it's also your last chance to get a great deal on Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Be sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 30 bucks. Don't miss out. The left is freaking out over Donald Trump's claims of impropriety during the election. The irony is so palpable, I can almost taste it. Let's do the stolen elections. Stew does America. What a freaking week. I mean, it's been a long, long, long week. This hasn't been one week, has it? I mean, it was Tuesday, only a few days since the election. It feels like an eternity. And we are continuing to see crazy things go on as it's associated with the election. Uh, right now, we're looking at Donald Trump falling behind in Pennsylvania, falling behind in Georgia. We have recounts uh, look like they're coming in Georgia and Wisconsin. Arizona continues to tighten. I, we don't know what's going to go on. We really don't. Uh, we, we have no idea. I could tell you that the administration and the campaign are going to look at a lot of these accusations and rumors of fraud and try to pick out the ones that are legitimate and try to separate those from the ones that aren't and try to do as much as they can to overturn the result in some of these states. Uh, they believe that some of the votes were not cast legally. And we all should agree that the end of the game is we want every legally cast vote to count. That's all. We don't expect to win every single election. I don't think Donald Trump does either. The bottom line is we want to make sure that every vote that is legally cast is counted, and then we all can kind of deal with it. I mean, if what we have to deal with is a president, Joe Biden, it's going to be hilarious. I'll tell you that much, but we'll get through it. We got through freaking Barack Obama. We'll get through Joe Biden if that's what we have to face. Now, I will say, um, I, I can only take so much of what the media is attempting to do when with calling out Donald Trump on his speech from last night. This idea that Donald Trump saying that the election might be stolen is so incredibly horrific and offensive to our democracy. Oh, they care all of a sudden about all of our, our traditions as soon as they affect them. Look, Donald Trump came out last night, he made a speech, and in the speech, he basically said he won and the election was stolen from him. Uh, however, he went on to say that we're going to go and look into this. Now, Donald Trump is doing what every campaign would do in this situation. You know, Trump is Trump, the way he talks, we all understand that. But what, what campaigns do when they're behind and it's close is to challenge every single thing they can think of and hopefully uh, get to a point where they can catch enough votes to put themselves back in contention. That is what you do in this situation. Every campaign does it. Every Republican campaign does it. Every Democratic campaign does it. It's just what happens. And you might not like that. A lot of people don't like it. But the end of the story here is 
the hypocrisy of the media and the left is just intolerable. I, I honestly can't take it. I can't take it anymore. There's so many of these grandiose speeches you heard throughout the day about how we can't imagine how Donald Trump is trying to overturn our democracy and he might not even leave the White House and blah, 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 blah. Have we forgotten? Has everyone forgotten the last 20 years? Is it, has it been erased from everybody's memory? Was there a men in black situation where Will Smith came up to you with one of those little things and f- put the flash in your eye and you forgot the last 20 years or the last 20 months, the last 20 minutes? I mean, Stacey Abrams is literally being touted as a hero in this election. Stacey Abrams, the, the woman who from Georgia, and she's being touted as this great hero for putting together the vote to, to change uh, you know, uh, Georgia to blue. And it looks like it might happen that way. It's very, very close right now. But Stacey Abrams ran for governor just a couple of years ago and has continually said this election was stolen from her over and over and over again. She's talked about how uh, she's the legitimate governor of the state of Georgia. And she's been praised every which way, saying that she was the incredible hero of this story, when in reality, she's just a sore loser. Here she is, quote unquote, conceding back in 2018. I acknowledge that former Secretary of State Brian Kemp will be certified as the victor in the 2018 gubernatorial election. But to watch an elected official who claims to represent the people in this state baldly pin his hopes for election on the suppression of the people's democratic right to vote has been truly appalling. So let's be clear, this is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. As a woman of conscience and faith, I cannot concede that. But my assessment is the law currently allows no further viable remedy. I mean, let's just say Donald Trump were to take that exact speech and give it changing a couple of details like woman to man, if that's how he identifies. Uh, Would that be acceptable? Would anyone on MSNBC be excited about watching that? Would anyone in the media say, wow, what a you know what? That's brave. Let's give that guy a job. He deserves to be treated as a hero from here on out. Stacey Abrams is that way because she's a woke celebrity and you're supposed to say everything that she does is the right thing. Well, you know, you can't criticize Donald Trump for not giving in immediately when it looks like he's behind when you've praised Stacey Abrams for two straight years for acknowledging her defeat and not conceding it. Then, of course, you have uh, Hillary Clinton. Go back to 2016. Hillary Clinton lost the election fair and square, just like Stacey Abrams did. Did she just give up? Did she say, well, you know what? Don's the guy. You know what? Give him credit. He's the president. And uh, he won legitimately. Did, did, did Did Hillary call Donald Trump a legitimate president even? Watch. I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign, you can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. Hmm. He knows he's an illegitimate president. He knows. He knows knows. that there were a bunch of different reasons why the election turned out the way it did. Don't forget, 
Joe and Kamala can win by three million votes and still lose. Take it from me. So we need numbers overwhelming so Trump can't sneak or steal his way to victory. I mean, this is unbelievable. These same people are now critical of Donald Trump for giving one speech. This is, she, this is multiple years after she lost. She's still whining about it. It's absolutely incredible the things these people try. Do they think we haven't, we don't remember any of this? Every election in my adult life for president of the United States that a Democrat has lost, they have said was stolen. Every single one. Need I remind you of the 2000 election when selected, not elected, was on every bumper sticker in America that, that voted for Al Gore. The concept was this evil Supreme Court handed the election to Donald Trump, even though he lost. And even though there were media recounts afterward that showed that uh, that George W. Bush won the election, nobody cared. They all just said it was stolen anyway, over and over and over again. Al Gore is still getting asked about it. Your former running mate, Joe Lieberman, wrote an article talking about that moment when the, the United States Supreme Court came back and decided that, that the recount was over. And Joe Lieberman said, at that time, I said to Al Gore, we should go forward. We still have legal recourse. There's more to do here. And the, you said, no, for the good of the country, we got to end it. We got to end it right now. Can you talk about that moment what your thinking was and uh, how difficult a moment that was for you 20 years ago. Well, first of all, uh, I don't remember there being any good legal legal recourse uh, left. <laughs> uh, the the governor of the state in question uh, where the ballots were not being uh, counted and recounted uh, had had uh, an interest in this. He's still saying it's stolen. He's still saying it. You know, one of the things that the left has brought up, and it makes some sense, is to say, well, look, Donald Trump is arguing we need to uh, stop the vote count in Pennsylvania, but we need to, uh, and because he keeps losing his lead, and in Arizona, where he's gaining votes as they recount, he wants that vote to continue. And of course, that's true, right? You know why? Because Donald Trump, and this is going to be, I don't know if I'm breaking news here to anybody, Donald Trump's trying to win, right? This is what you do. This is what campaigns do. They make arguments that sometimes don't have all the logical sense in the world because they're trying to win. You try to get more. You try to stop votes that are going against you. You try to uh, you try to make sure votes continue to be counted when they are going in your favor. That is what every election does. And you know who might remember that is Al Gore. Gore, a guy who individually selected individual counties and districts to get the vote recounted and skipped other counties in Florida because he knew he would lose votes in those counties, but he would gain them in the other ones. So he picked the ones where he thought he would gain votes and then had them recount those votes so that he could win. It didn't work, but that is what he attempted to do. They could have counted the entire state because every vote needs to be counted. And we need to make sure this 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 democracy, this vital democracy is sacred to us. And we need to make sure that it's protected. Look, they can say that all they want. What they're trying to do is win. OK, the Trump administration and the Trump campaign are looking at the situation where it appears they are behind in several key states that they need to win. So what they're going to do 
is throw every legal challenge they can think of against the wall and see if anything sticks. And maybe something does. But you can't sit here and and hypocritically criticize the Trump administration for using the literal playbook of Al Gore. We all understand these things and we have to sit here and act as if we don't. You know, I mean, like watching the the uh, the reaction to Donald Trump's speech on places like CNN and uh, MSNBC and all these networks. You think they'd never seen Donald Trump before. You think they were unfamiliar with him completely. You know, Donald Trump says a lot of things. He's not careful about his speech. Do conservatives complain about that sometimes? Yes. You know, but the left knows the left is not surprised. The media is not surprised that Donald Trump came out there and said he 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 didn't he should have won and it was stolen from him. Of course, that's what he's going to say. Donald Trump is not going to admit to you that he lost. He's still to this moment telling you that he won the popular vote in 2016 when it means nothing. It's not even our system of elections. And he's still standing up when if you ask him about it, he will say six million people voted illegally in the election and it was stolen from him. Look, none of that makes any difference. Whether he admits he lost if he loses or not, the bottom line is we have a system of transition and that system will go forward. Donald Trump is a patriotic guy. He's not going to try to overturn the system. He's going to do everything he can to try to win the presidency for four more years. If it doesn't work out, he'll probably go start a media company or something, and he'll see you in the campaign trail when he leads by probably 40 points in every primary poll. Because <laughs> he'll probably run again in 2024. Get ready for it, media. He's not gone from your lives. He's going to be around for a while, and he'll probably be back in four more years. Uh, if it's not him, it's probably going to be one of his kids. So you can cheer all you want right now, but this is not over. I just I can't take the hypocrisy. This has been a, a, a multi-decade process where every single time an election occurs and a Democrat loses it, it's been stolen. And every single time a Democrat wins an election, we're supposed to sit back and say, oh, my goodness. What an amazing American changing moment. What a moment of 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 glass ceiling breaking, racial barrier breaking, historic blah, 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 blah. They find whatever, you know, they certainly weren't excited about Ted Cruz being the first Hispanic president. That never excited them at all. It was, oh, well, it's the first woman. It's the first black man. It's the first now Indian Jamaican woman. I, I, I don't even know. I can't even keep track of these things anymore because you know what? I don't care about identity politics. I don't care. Look at how much this has changed. This is back from 2016 on MSNBC. Yes, MSNBC with Mika. Watch. Jonathan Chait wrote in New York Magazine in 2012, yes, Bush v. Gore did steal the election. Also in 2012, Salon asked, is the GOP stealing Ohio? In 2014, Ezra Klein of Vox wrote that 68% of Americans think elections are rigged. And he said they're right in, in that article. In 2000, Jesse Jackson demanded an inquiry at the results in Florida, saying shortly after the election, 22,000 people are begging for their vote to count and for its intent to be realized. This last vote caused a crisis in the credibility of this election. 
election. This is a crisis of integrity. We, the American people, deserve better. We should settle for nothing less. In 2006, Rolling Stone published a lengthy article asking, was the 2004 election stolen? They also published the interview uh, with Howard Dean, which said this, Howard said this, I'm not confident that the election in Ohio was fairly decided. We know that there was substantial voter suppression and the machines were not reliable. It should not be a surprise that the Republicans are willing to do things that are unethical to manipulate elections. That's what we suspect has happened. And we'd like to safeguard our elections so that democracy can still be counted to, on to work. Later in that year, in October, Josh Marshall wrote about Ohio Secretary of State Ken Blackwell stealing the election. And a portion of Michael Moore's documentary, 2004, Fahrenheit 9-11, tried to delegitimize the 2000 results in Florida. They're going to try to tell you that it's the most offensive thing you've, they've ever heard in their lives, that Donald Trump is even asking questions about whether there's fraud or not, whether he's looking into each one of these individual claims, which he should, by the way. To, for people to have faith in the system, asking questions about alleged fraud, even if it doesn't turn out to be accurate, is really important. People need to believe that these things will be held together. So don't let people push you around on this stuff. It's okay to say, look, we're going to look for actual evidence of these claims. And if they don't exist, they don't exist. And Joe Biden gets to be president of the United States. And we all get to laugh at how he bumbles and fumbles his way through the presidency. But until then, questions need to be asked and answered. And then everyone, Democrat, Republican, independent, can feel good about the result, even if we don't feel good about who won. So let me tell you about the Fasten app, F-A-S-T-E-N. It has to do with intermittent fasting. It's a great way to lose weight in a, in a, in a very uh, fast way. You're fasting and you're losing weight in a fast way with the app Fasten. Fasten is a great uh, app because it, it basically, I, what I like about it is it sort of gamifies a weight loss. Uh, you'll have to get on the app. You can get it for free at your uh, your app store right now. Just go on right now, grab the Fasten app, F-A-S-T-E-N. It can show you how, like you have these little uh, timers and it kind of shows you how to do intermittent fasting. It has all the information about it as well. Uh, plus, Fast Blast has great smoothies that you can have uh, along with your intermittent fasting program. Uh, the good thing about intermittent fasting is the weight comes off really quickly. When you do it, it comes off really fast, and uh, it, it, it can change your life. It really can. It's a totally different way of doing this. And if you've never tried it before, I encourage you to look into it. Do your own homework. Or, uh, learn more about uh, intermittent fasting with the free Fasten app. Just go to fastblast.com blaze for the free app to get started today. Or as I said, just go to your app store on your phone, F-A-S-T-E-N. It's a little green logo. It's free and easy. Fastblast.com blaze is the place to go. Fastblast.com blaze please. Happy to welcome back a good friend of the program, communication strategist Giancarlo Sopo. Giancarlo, how are you, man? Hey, great to be back with you. Yeah, it's great to see you. I mean, it's uh, there's still a lot to go on here and, and, and see a lot to be decided still in, in the election. One of the big uh, success stories, though, seems to be uh, the outreach from the Trump administration and the campaign to the Latino vote, particularly in Florida, but in other places as well. Uh, I know you were part of that. How, what, what have we learned here? 
Yeah, so I think what we learned is that the Hispanics are not a monolith. There are many opportunities for conservatives to make inroads with diverse Hispanic communities, not just in Florida, but we also saw tremendous inroads in Texas. Uh, and, and that's really just the result of my colleagues at, in the Latinos for Trump coalition who have really been leading this effort now for years, really. They've been on the ground building relationships with grassroots leaders, small business owners, church leaders. And we what we saw is that we had a tremendous result in particularly in the Rio Grande Valley, where tre- President Trump's uh, support among Latinos went from 26 percent in 2016 to 41% this year. That's a 15 point gain. And it's absolutely incredible. It's a testament to really the the president's incredible record, the great work that he's done on the economy, the uh, great work he did to secure the border. Hispanics want safe communities. We do not want chaos at the border. We do not want our children to go to schools where they're in danger. What we want are safe communities, a strong economy, and good jobs, and the president delivered that. And that's why we saw so many Latinos come out to support President Trump on election day. And this is the opposite of what we hear from the media. What we're told from the media is that President Trump is the most racist president in American history, and uh, President Trump uh, will never do well with Hispanics because all Hispanics care about, apparently, is being able to come across the border without any restrictions. This does not seem to be reality. No, it's completely detached from reality. In fact, what when you actually go to places like Hidalgo, Texas, when you go to McAllen, when you go to Brownsville, and you start really like talking to people and listening to Hispanics, they don't like illegal immigration. It's bad for their communities. It's bad for uh, it, they feel unsafe when it happens. And the president's strong border policy really resonated with these with these voters. While at the same time, the Democrats were talking about defunding the police or redirecting funding, whatever uh, uh, terminology that they want to use. And Hispanics like law and order. And we also want a strong economy. What we saw under President Trump is that the Latino poverty rate sunk to its lowest levels ever before the global pandemic. So it was it's really just like the combination of a strong economic record and a robust um, border policy that really appealed to Latinos because we want safe communities good paying jobs and an opportunity to live the American dream. Yeah, I, I read, uh, Carlo, one analysis about the, the polls and how they were off in places like Florida and at some level Texas as well. And it, some analysis are showing that the, the change, the unexpected change in the Hispanic vote that was not picked up in the polls is the entire difference in the polls from where they were projecting them and where the vote actually came out. Uh, we see this in Florida is a, is a real, uh, real highlight here in that, you know, we see over and over again that Hispanic voters came out for President Trump in numbers that seemingly nobody expected. Was this something the Trump campaign thought was going to happen? Yeah. So we always knew all along that the that the poll numbers were just wrong. Right. Let me give you a really good example. So a couple of weeks uh, about, yeah, like a week or two before the election, Univision released a poll showing President Trump losing with Cuban Americans in Florida. Mm-hmm. Being Cuban American myself and knowing my community, I knew that that was just total BS. Uh, <laughs> there was no way the president was losing Cuban Americans and the results show that. So the president won Cuban Americans, I'd, I'd say conservatively somewhere between uh, 35 to 40 points. The poll had us losing Cuban Americans by 15 points. 
Mm. Right. So that's a so they were off 55 points. Univision's poll was off 55 points. You know, what's really interesting is that we just had an election where it showed consistently across the board that the polls were wrong, that the pollsters are not they're just they're not really being successful at reaching a lot of uh, Republican voters and a lot of Trump voters. Yet they're still they're still relying on these polls now to talk about like the exit polls and how different demographic groups voted. A good example is that now, you know, they're saying, yeah, the president gained 32 percent of the Latino vote. That's probably like well under what he received. He probably uh, like if you you look at the analysis, you look at different counties, how they voted. It looks more like he got into the mid to high 30s with Hispanics nationwide. And that's an incredible record. Uh, That would be the the highest number uh, for any Republican president in many years. So. Um, it's really a testament to this Latinos for Trump coalition and to President Trump himself and to just the great record that he's amassed for for Latinos and all the results that he's delivered for our very diverse communities. How uh, and, and, you know, diverse communities. Uh, Joe Biden did. He does know that Hispanics are diverse. He just thinks black black voters are a monolith. So I think that's the way he broke that down for us in his expert poll uh, analysis. Um, how much of this is. Uh, Cubans, Venezuelans, uh, people from Central America who look at socialism and what that has brought to uh, uh, so many communities and the overwhelming government control that now the left is just straight out embracing. And we've talked about this going back years now, uh, where the left has changed from being this, well, we're we're a party of the workers and we want some slightly larger government programs and maybe certain different rights for different people to a group that is is really run in the media, especially as a sort of face of the organization, as people who advocate outright socialism. Um, yeah. People like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilan Omar and, and, and that crew. There has to be a visceral reaction to people who have left those situations to come here to escape them. Yeah, well, I think that it's that's what exactly what we saw in South Florida the the results that we saw in South Florida. So President Trump lost Miami-Dade County in 2016 by 30 points. What we saw this year was a 23-point swing in his favor, mm. where it's a blue county, but he only lost it by seven points. That's a wipeout. That that took out wow. two, uh, two Democratic members of Congress, uh, and, and Republicans picked up uh, state legislature seats down the ballot. So it's, it's really a repudiation of that. Um, I think your your analysis is 100% right, but it's not just Cubans and Venezuelans. We also saw Colombian Americans, which is one of the demographic groups that uh, is really not talked a lot about in the media. There are 250,000 Colombian American voters in the state of Florida. They receive very little attention. But you know what uh, did happen this year was that Joe Biden was endorsed by Colombia's most prominent socialist, which was a man called Gustavo Petro. Petro endorsed Biden over the summer. That went completely unnoticed by mainstream media, but Colombian Americans heard about it. And they came out to support President Trump in big numbers, unlike we had ever seen before. President Trump uh, in in Miami's most heavily Colombian American neighborhood, which is called the Hammocks, uh, it's an area I grew up uh, close to it, so I'm very familiar with it. President Trump got 34% of the vote in 2016. Now in 2020, he got 49% of the vote in that neighborhood. Mm. And I think that that's really just a testament to President Trump's strong opposition to socialism and the fact that Colombian Americans do not want that kind of a system for our country. And really, frankly, n- neither do any Hispanics. We do not want socialism. 
Hmm. Um, uh, so how, regardless of what happens this time, as this is all being litigated, what, how, do, how, do, how do Republicans build off of this? Because you have a situation where these are really big gains in these communities. And, you know, Donald Trump does some kind of unique things in the electorate, uh, moves different groups of people that other Republicans have not been able to move. Is this something that the, the, the Republicans of the future are going to be able to build upon? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the most uh, interesting things that I've noticed so for like 40 years, the Republican mantra with uh, Hispanic outreach had been it's it had been the Reagan line, which is that uh, Hispanics are uh, Hispanics are Republicans. They just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. So the party's messaging had largely focused on a couple of things, which had been faith, family and small businesses. The truth is that Hispanics care about a much broader range of issues. And that's a big part of what our Latinos for Trump coalition did and what the president had done. So you don't have to be afraid to talk about immigration issues with Hispanic. With Hispanics, you just have to do it in a way where it's culturally competent and, and respectful. And that's exactly what we did as a campaign uh, where we talked about the importance of border security, not from the vantage point that we want to keep out good people from this country. We all believe that uh, legal immigration is very important. It's it's a it's a tremendous source of uh, you know we we need great people to come to America. We want that. Mm-hmm. What we don't want is illegal immigration, and Republicans should not be afraid to have that discussion with Hispanics. Ignore what the what the Spanish language uh, networks or just to be more specific, what Univision is saying, but really focus on what listening to these communities. When you go to some of these border towns and you actually speak to people and you listen to them directly, which is really something that the campaign did where we we had conversations with people all across the country, you realize that people are like, they they live in communities where they do not want uh, gangs coming across, cartels coming across, because it's very dangerous for them and their families. Does that mean that every uh, immigrant who comes into this country is a gang member or a member of a cartel? No, of course not. But it does mean that, unfortunately, sometimes that does happen. And the Democrats do not have a response to that. They do not have any policy solutions to it. All, all The only thing that they ever do is demagogue the immigration issue and accuse anyone and everyone who disagrees with them of being a racist. So if conservatives get over some of that fear and you really start engaging these communities around a broader set of issues, education is also a really important one, and school choice, you really find that the, that Hispanics are very receptive uh, to a conservative message. Yeah, a commentator I was listening yeah, comment- to, I can't remember who it was, made the point of one of the things that Trump does differently than previous Republican candidates was to overtly ask for their votes ask for Hispanic votes, ask for Latino votes, go into the communities, speak overtly about, look, we want to do things that will improve your life, and we want you to be part of our coalition. And that's that's seemingly a pretty important thing to do. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Um, You know, and, and that's really one of the things that we did on the campaign. So one of the things that we did on the campaign that I'm most proud of is that we launched a national jingle. It's a, it was a salsa song that was recorded by oh, wow. a yeah a, a salsa band in, in in Miami, and we turned it into an ad. So it's something that came from like organically via grassroots, and we turned it into a national ad asking every Hispanic in the country to go out and vote for President Trump. 
Republican, I don't know of a Republican campaign that had ever done that, right? So the use of like jingles and songs is actually extremely common in Latin America, not so common here in the US, but we, we did something very innovative and we used a, a national jingle and we turned it into like the campaign anthem and the response was overwhelmingly positive. It was like probably one of our most popular ads in any language. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the more you reach out to Latinos, the more the more you engage them on a cultural level. You show respect for their cultures. You understand uh, that that you know they value their traditions, their families, their churches. And th- there are so many similarities. There are so, there's so much overlap between you know Latinos are just like everyone else. Like we we love our communities, we love our families and our faith. And we want good schools for our children and we want safe neighborhoods. So conservatives should not be afraid to have that conversation. They'll, they will find a very um, receptive audience. Hmm. So you're the one responsible so for getting the- that song in my head. I, I appreciate that very much. <laughs> Giancarlo Sopa. Look, a big part of this is getting smart people who actually understand the community and can engage with it in an authentic way. And that's you. And you did a great job here, man. This is a big uh, this is a big deal. And uh kind of realigns uh, the, the way we look at our politics. So congratulations on all your efforts in Florida and in Texas. Thank you. Well, on to victory. And thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be on your show. All right, Giancarlo Sopo, uh, strategist, uh, uh, communication strategist. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the program. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Uh, let's uh, take a break and we'll be back in a second. Well, we've got some uh, some more elections are always around the corner, including Nancy Pelosi. Now, uh, if Donald Trump were to lose North Carolina, but win all of the other remaining states, we'd have a 269-269 tie. And I think, oh, maybe it's when Pennsylvania and North Carolina. I can't remember the exact combination. All I can tell you that is I, I kind of feel like that's going to happen still just to screw with us. And that would mean that there was a clear path for Nancy Pelosi to be president, which is what America deserves for everything we've done wrong in all of our history. Every every time you stub your toe and you swore that punishment all builds up to Nancy Pelosi being our president. It's going to happen eventually. Might as well just get it over with. Anyway, she's going to try to run for uh, the uh, reelection of Speaker of the House. And. Which, what is great about that is if you happen to have a Nancy Pelosi sucks pen, which I don't know if they're available yet. I, I keep being told that they're going to come back, but the, they're running out and we're running out of stock. If you have one, it's going to be worth even more when she uh, finally retires in the year 2549. So get ready for that. Also, there's a poll that was uh, kind of resurfaced. This is actually from December of 2019. But who would you want uh, in the 2024 uh, presidential race if you happen to be? Uh, Republican. Uh, select all that apply, so it adds up to more than 100%. Mike Pence is number one at 40%. Donald Trump Jr. at 29%. Nikki Haley at 26%. Ivanka Trump at 16%. Look at those top four names. It's one of the biggest features figures in his administration, his vice president, and his son and his daughter. You're telling me if Donald Trump doesn't win again, he's going to walk through this primary at this point? Get ready, America. This is not over yet, even if it's over in 2020. Back in a second. Let me tell you about Not Free America by Mike Donovan. Mike is a guy, he's been uh, one of the leaders 
uh, in the uh, civil rights world for a while, fighting against the government's sort of tyranny. Our Bill of Rights has been under attack for a long time, as you know. And we look at this and we see all these restrictions from COVID and, you know, the murder of uh, George Floyd and all the, the, the riots and such after that. And you kind of wonder, like, what's going on? If you are the type of person who wants to make sure that you're not surrendering your liberty to anybody here, any government official, uh, then this book is going to make an argument for you to try to solve this problem, solve the problems we're facing right now. Not Free America is the place to go. They have a liberty pledge there. You can go and, and, and take that, order your copy of the book, and learn about Mike's solution for overreach, overarching uh, abuse of our government and what it does to our citizens and what we can do to solve these issues. Uh, go there now. Uh, it's notfreeamerica.com, notfreeamerica.com. Order your book today, notfreeamerica.com. Let's bring in Dan Andros, managing editor of Faithwire. Uh, Dan, you're in Pennsylvania. You stood in a very long line to vote the other day. What's it been like uh, living through this for the last couple of days? Oh, gosh. Uh, I was, I kind of was fearing a repeat of 2000 and uh, fearing it that it could happen in multiple states. And that's almost where we're at. I don't know if we're quite there yet. Um, but as far as the voting in Pennsylvania here, I live in Bucks County and they recently switched from, you know, one of those booth things. I don't know what you call it, but it's got the button and the lever. You can pull the lever if you sure. want to go for the party to like a paper ballot. And so it took forever um, and I thought it was because of COVID maybe that they're wiping things down or something. And the, the election worker told me that, no, it was just because the paper ballots take longer to fill out. And so, yeah, I waited in line over two hours uh, to vote. So they've gone the wrong direction. <laughs> they've gone from an automated, some, uh, some sort of advanced process. They're going back to the good old wood pulp. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, he told me that people, they had gotten a lot of complaints from people who just didn't feel like the button thing was working. So they went to make it feel more secure. And uh, you, you send your paper ballot for everyone who's done it, like, and it goes through this little machine and it just scans in. And I kind of thought it would give me like a receipt, like to show me like, oh yeah, but you're, you voted for, you know, this candidate and, and we know we got it. It just, but instead it just sucks it up and you just have no idea what it, what it registered. <laughs> Uh, so it actually made me feel worse than the other thing. So uh, that was that was bizarre. Amazing. Um, so when it comes to people around you, uh, people in Pennsylvania, we had this situation with the way the law works. And it was very stupid the way the law works. They couldn't look at any of these mail-in ballots before the election. So they had to start counting them on the day of the election. So we had this sort of arc where Trump got out to this huge lead and then everyone's watched it hour by hour dwindle away until now Trump is behind. How is the community actually reacting to that? Uh, I mean, everybody here uh, seems okay. Um, I mean, it's a pretty split area. I mean, you, you know, there was the Trump armadas. And so obviously I think like the nation, there was more enthusiasm for Trump than Biden. I don't think anybody really is for Biden per se. Uh, they were just either against Trump or for Trump. So everybody here seems to be handling it okay. But I will say, I feel like one of the lessons we should take away from this election is elections offices, especially statewide, sh should get expert PR people hired for these major elections. Mm. There's no excuse for people to be, you know, because I had no idea this, that, you know, North Carolina, like North Carolina had to know ahead of time that they were going to be waiting till November 12th to certify their 
to their, their results while they waited for, you know, ballots postmarked up until November 3rd to come in the mail, which, and by the way, if you are a voter who <laughs> waited to November 3rd to mail in a vote, I'm sorry, you are fill in the blank. You're, yeah, what I, are you doing? Maybe you're not smart enough to vote. Is that, is that too rough to say that maybe if you can't? I mean, like, I, this is, I love this because everybody knows when you mail a bill into a credit card that you don't mail it on the day it's due. You mail it a few days early to get the payment there on time. Why is this such a crazy ask for voting? voters. It's not a crazy ask. And why would that be your decision? If you really want your vote to count, why would it be, you know what, instead of walking 10 feet over to my precinct, I'm going to just throw this in the mail and see what happens. Like, come on. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it is probably get there, probably get voted, but it's got to go in the mail truck. It's got to make it there. It's got to, you know, get sifted through the sorting facility. I mean, it's just like you're you're I mean, making it harder. I mean, it's a very small percentage of votes, but as they've gone through these post offices, they've found uh, you know, a few hundred votes that were around, and I don't think that's going to make the difference, but still, it's important. Um, so, yeah. you know, and we went through this the other day. This information was out there, to your point here, when it comes to PR. Yeah. Like, people knew that this was going to happen. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin in particular, I think Michigan was another one that did it in this order, where Florida and North Carolina did it in the reverse order, where they released all of their early vote first. And that really, while it was out there, and some media organizations did try to communicate it, it did not connect with people. I mean, I, I, keep, I, I, I brought this up earlier, but it's like, if you had a situation where the reverse was happening in Pennsylvania. If they counted them in reverse, you would have seen Joe Biden go out to this massive lead and then Donald Trump coming back and it would feel totally different. Yeah, oh, it would have feel, felt 100% different. And, and I think it was just a really huge error for them to uh, you know, allow it to be set up this way and, and not communicate it. I mean, that should have been a major message. Like guys, yeah. this isn't gonna be done it, just for this, unless it's a blowout, this isn't going to be done because we're going to have to, you know, count all of these for the next couple of days as they come in because we're because it's legally allowed to be. And it just looks shady. Like, mm -hmm. even if it's 100 percent accurate, it just looks shady. And we're seeing that from all the tweets and from all the people going, well, gee, how come all these votes are coming in for Biden? You know? Yeah, right. right. And it's like, well, it's there. It's plausible and it's explainable. But you're already starting off behind the eight ball when when, as you said, the imagery doesn't look good, uh, you know, from a Trump voter perspective. Uh, Dan Andros, managing editor of Faithwire. I keep coming back to this. You know, you see the videos from Philadelphia. People are like cheering in the streets. Maybe we should have a government <laughs> that's too small to make people feel that much happiness or sadness from an election. Yeah. It really is frustrating. Uh, Dan, we have run out of time here. We'll get we'll get you next uh, next week, maybe if you have a uh, time to talk about this a little bit more and walk us through what Pennsylvania is like in real time. Uh, Dan Andros, managing editor of Faithwire, back in a second. Well, trying to buy or sell a home in these times, now that's challenging. Uh, that's why I need a real estate agent who's ready to come in and going to take charge. I'm in the, you know, it's the middle of selling uh, a place in another state recently. And there's like repairs that need to be done. And who knows? Of course, everything goes wrong. Uh, luckily, we had a real estate agent that we could trust. That's what you need. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to get a real estate agent that actually cares about whether your financial uh, future and the biggest financial transaction you'll probably ever make in your life. They want to make sure it goes well. 
That's smart. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Make sure you find an agent that cares about you, that you can trust, that can walk you through this biggest of financial transactions and something that means a lot to you. You don't want to just sell your house. You want to do it the right way. You want to make sure you get the best price for your home. And if you're buying a home as well, they can handle that too. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com. I think the big discount is still active. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Promo code is Stu. Save 30 bucks off your subscription. I will see you next week.